inconceivable. 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 Hi, Scoff. Hi, Wonk. How are you? Alive. How are you? Alive. I'm alive. We're both alive, wow. I mean, yes. There's something you <laughs> know that I don't know. <laughs> just, just, there are many secrets. There, there are many. Afraid. The I'm dark just... side. Honey, the dark side holds many abilities, some of okay. which you might consider to be unnatural. Okay. Yeah. This is really weird coming from I, you. What, why? Because you're the cynical one who doesn't believe in anything supernatural. I believe in Star Wars movies. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to mix it up. I don't know. Welcome back. Okay. We're peoples. We have stuff to tell you, stories to share, and shoutouts to give. Yay! So my shout-out this week is for Yield Crime Podcast. Like ye old? Yeah, ye old. That's amazing. I know. So, I mean, obviously Scoff hasn't listened to these. I'm kind of the one who's doing all the shout-outs here. But it is true crime, so, um, you know, it's mostly for people who are into that kind of thing. Yeah. But this one, I think, has an edge because it's old-school true crime. So it has that historical kind of aspect. Define old-school. Like, like, I'm picturing, really old like, school. I'm picturing, like, Jack the Ripper and, like, gangsters Even with more than Tommy that guns. sometimes. Wow. Yeah. So really old cases that a lot of people maybe haven't heard of. So I think that it can appeal to both history buffs and true crime lovers. So, yeah. Well, I might actually have to check it out after this. Yeah, there you go. So I'm, if either if you guy. like uh, if you like either of those things, go check them out. I also have to talk about this because... We've been watching Broadchurch on Netflix. You should watch it. This is an amazing show. The acting here is top notch. And it's it's one of those more intense whodunits. You know what I mean? It, it's a it's, it's a lot of red herrings. Yeah, I was about to say this thing should be called Red Herring the Show. But not all the red herrings are completely misleading. Like you'll you'll learn something and be like Oh, yeah, that's interesting. That probably means this person did something. And then later you'll find out, like, oh, so that looked super guilty. It, yeah, but with like, the new context, it's still a little odd, but it's not the thing we're looking for. Yeah. So it's not... Um, the reason I like it is because it's all so well thought out. Yeah. That it's not just red herrings that throw you off the trail and have no purpose other than to do that. Everything that happens is worked into the story somehow. Yeah. But it makes it very hard for you to kind of figure out what actually did happen when the crime took place. So I'd, that was I'd, really good. We've finished watching it. I'd be curious to see if it is possible to figure out who done it in like the first. Because obviously you, you find attention. out stuff by like the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, for like the first three episodes, if you're paying close enough attention. Yeah, that'd be interesting to rewatch it for that purpose. Yeah, and just keep the eye out, you know? But I just wanted to give a shout-out because I have watched a lot of similar shows, and I've never seen acting that I want to praise as much as the acting in this show. It's yes. extraordinary. It's very good acting. So, go check it out. Um, yeah, that's the end of our shout-outs. Anything else you want to add for our little housekeeping? I got nothing. All right, then. Shall we move I, on to our season house finale? We shall. Season finale. Man. I'm so excited. I can tell you have a stupid grin on your <laughs> face. It's going ear to ear. 
So uh, for those of you who might have missed our last episode, we announced that our season finales at the end of every season are going to um, be a way to showcase the shorter stories that can't take up the length of a full episode. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick a theme and I'm going to have three stories and they're going to be two true, true stories and one fake story. So yes. it's basically following the concept of the game Two Truths and a Lie. And um, while Scoff is usually in each episode just deciding if the story is conceivable or not, here he's actually also going to be deciding which one of these are true stories that I actually found records of and which one of these is total bullshit. Just completely fake. Just complete and utter caca del toro. Yeah. Crap of the bull. So are we ready, guys? Are you excited? I'm, I'm excited. I'm curious. I'm so excited. All right. So season finale. Season finale. Story number one. Uh, so this is going to be the first of our special episode tradition. And like I said, the three stories are going to be related by a theme. Yes. The theme this week is books that came true in real life. Okay. So keep that in mind when I'm discussing each of the stories. And I've purposefully, um, I'm purposefully going to talk about the stories in order of the publication of the book, just so that I'm not like creating a specific order when I'm doing this. Does that make sense? Sure. Like purposefully saying, okay, story one is true, story two is true, and then the last one's a lie. Yeah. You, story you one is true, story two is a lie, and story three is true. Like if me for me trying to make an algorithm where it always changes, that's just going to be too hard. So oh, I got you. I'm just doing like, it in. Remind me though, I got a couple, sto- like mini examples of what it sounds like you're about to discuss afterwards, that you might not have heard of things where it's like been predicted in a weird way. I'll talk about it with you after. Okay. We'll we'll discuss it. We'll save time at the end. But for now, introduce. Go. All right. So book number one. Book number one. The narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. Have you heard of that? No. Published in 1838, the only novel published by Edgar Allan Poe. What? You know who Edgar Allan Poe is, right? I, I've, yeah. Yeah, the poet. Yeah, he published a novel? This is the only book. I think it's more of a novella. I think it's shorter. But, yeah. That's the it's only one he's ever done. So, this is what happens in the book. For those of you at home that don't know, a novella is just a shorter book. Yes. Like, I think a book is like 50,000 words or something. And a novella is less than that, but more than like a short story. Yeah, pretty much. It's weird. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Anyway, so I'm going to break down what happens in the book, and then I'm going to break down what happened in real life that mimicked the book. Do that makes sense. So, in the book, the characters are on a whaling ship called the Grampus, which sounds like. The it's, Grampus? To me, it sounds like Krampus, you know, like the creepy version of Santa Claus. Yeah. Except a grandpa version of that. A Grampus. It's instead of like this terrifying, I think it's like a German folktale. Yeah. Krampus, or like whatever. That. It's just this guy comes out of the chimney, like, I'm coming for you. I need to take my pills. And then collapse, like, all right. Yeah, anyways, that's what it's called. Um, and then on the whaling ship, a mutiny occurs. Three men eventually take hold of the ship again. So the mutiny is a failure. They take back control of the ship. Okay. They kill all of the mutineers except for one 17-year-old, Richard Parker. And that's an important name to remember, Richard Parker. Richard Parker. Um, Because they think he's going to be useful in helping to run the vessel that they've gotten back. I mean, that makes sense. How many mutineers were there? Three? No, there were three who 
three men who gained control okay. after the mutiny failed. D- depending it on doesn't what, say how many mutineers. Depending on what type of ship it is, yeah, you need a certain amount of people to run it. Yeah. So, um, it's a whaling ship, so I don't really know. Yeah, you'd still need a couple. That. Anyways, um, but the Grampus floods during a storm, and the crew is lost at sea without any food or water, so that's sad. Sucks to suck. <laughs> and I didn't know this was an actual thing, but according to the actual customs of the sea, the men draw straws to see which sucker gets to sacrifice his flesh to the rest of them. Uh, yeah, I don't. Like, you, I, I'm not sure that was an actual thing. I thought this was just a movie thing. I can't imagine this is still necessarily a thing, but it it does make sense. It makes sense for survival purposes, but it just yeah it sounds very like if you have no idea when or if you're gonna be rescued. Yeah, I guess you'd be like, you know, hey Johnny, you're looking like you got a big belly. Let's, uh... Yeah. Alright. Anyways, they drew straws. They don't just pick somebody. Yeah. Um, so the straws are drawn, and unfortunately, Mr. Richard Parker, the one that they allowed to survive, is the one who lost... Like, he got the... Yeah. Is it the shortest straw or something? I forget. Um, so then, you know, cannibalism. You know, you do what you gotta do. Um, I should mention this is just a small part of the book, and not the entirety of the narrative. Okay. So this is just a little piece. There's other stuff that happens before and after the storm and stuff, but this is the portion that is focused on. Yeah. So, in real life now. On a yacht called the Mignonette in 1884, which would make this... 50 years? So 38 and 84. Okay. Yeah. So thereabouts, 46 years, give or take. Um, so the yacht sinks, leaving four men on this small wooden dinghy. Um, and one of the, like, it just says a young lad. So a younger guy, uh, who was on there overdosed on salt water and got sick. Okay. Um, so the captain and mate just decide to kill him and eat him. And let me guess, his name... Richard Parker. Was Richard Parker. And... This name is now a famous name associated with sea tragedies. Yeah. Because it's not just apparently this real case and the book that involves this name. Apparently there have been other cases um, that involve the name Richard Parker. I think the person who wrote Life of Pi named his character Richard Parker based on this. I can't remember. But I, I it's think an actual thing. this is completely believable. It's called, like, the cursed name. The cursed name. So that's not what we're naming our kids. No. But I, I think this is completely believable for a couple of reasons. Richard Parker seems to me like it'd be a relatively common yeah, name. Yeah, that's true. I don't know what, like... I'd have to do research on, like, the commonality of names during that time period. Yeah. But, like, Parker is a relatively common last name. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's not, like, Smith. And, like, the first name isn't, like, John, but I think Richard is also common. pretty common. Because yeah. you can... Especially na- depends on where you are in the world, too. Yeah, you can name someone Richard and call them, like, Robbie or yeah. Rob or Dick or, you know, something like that. Bobby. Yeah. Yes, I've heard that. It's weird. That's interesting. So, I can see it. I think that is absolutely true. I, I, I don't think you made that one up. All I right. think that one's true. Moving on to book number two. This one's called The Wreck of the Titan... By Morgan Robertson, 1898. Have you heard of this one? No. Alrighty. 
1898. He writes an eerily similar catastrophe to a very well-known one. You're going to realize what it is when I start talking. Oh! You know. I know you? this one. The largest ship ever oh, built. Oh, yeah. Called the Unsinkable Mar- Modern Marvel, ahead of its time, etc. The Queen Elizabeth. No, the Titanic. But in the book, it was called the Titan. Yeah. The Titan. Titan, Titanic. Huge difference, I know. That's, I mean, you know. Um... These are all of the facts that make the similarities so creepy. So listen to this. In the book, the boat called the Titan was around 800 feet long. Yeah. Titanic, 882 feet long. Which, if I remember correctly, the Titanic was one of the largest ships built at the time, too. And the book, I don't remember what year the Titanic sank. It was like 1930s? I'll get to that. Okay. I'm, I'm first talking about the... Yeah, um, so it kind of predicted a really big ship, though. It did. Okay. So, and it was, so in the book, it's all, it's called all the same things. It's called Unsinkable, it's called a modern marvel ahead of its time, biggest ship, all the same things as the Titanic in real life. All right. But getting to that. So in the book, it was only carrying 24 lifeboats. The Titanic was carrying 20. Both boats hit an iceberg on the starboard side deck. Both happen in the North Atlantic... Both happen in April. The real sinking happened April 1912. 1912, I was a Yeah. Both happened 400 miles from Newfoundland. Hey! Oh, Canada. Yeah? Yeah. Um, so that's creepy. That is a little creepy. That is a lot of similarities. Same length, same number of lifeboats, basically. Both in an iceberg. Both on the same side of the boat. Both in the North Atlantic. Both in the same month, both at the same distance from Newfoundland. Yeah, that's just that's to break a little, that down. It's a little odd. That's a little odd. It's a little odd. Um, so this prediction, quote unquote, happened literally 14 years before this happened. Huh. So I'm pretty at this point, the Titanic wasn't even built. They wouldn't it was have even made in voyage. It wouldn't even necessarily have been a th- like. I don't know how long it takes to build a ship that size, but 19. You said 12, right? 1912s yeah. post-industrial revolution. It's going to be faster to kind of build things like that. I believe you could probably build the Titanic. It probably took them like eight-ish years, six to eight years. In any case, this would have been for... Yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, there's no way he would have talked to someone who was like... Yeah, who was like, we're building a ship. We're building a big old boat here. That's how they talked back then. You know, with their Wario-style mustaches (laughs) and pipes. Like, hey, we're building a boat, huh? It's going to be the biggest boat ever, see? We'll call it the unshinkable boat. And he was like... Thanks for the idea. I'm going to go write a book now. I'm going to go write a book. So that, yeah. But even then, yeah, just... No one could have predicted the accident. No, that's And all the details of the accident in the book are exactly the same, which is just terrifying to me. Um, And so, obviously, this author, Morgan Robertson, was denying claims that he was a clairvoyant. Because so many people had read read the book. Yeah. And then they hear about the accident, and they're like, what the hell? And they're contacting him, and he he kept getting hassled. I feel bad bad for him, kind of, because he keeps getting he keeps getting hassled by these people who are like, "How did you predict this? Are you a clairvoyant? Why didn't you stop it?" And he's like, "Guys, I'm not a psychic." Yeah, I just wrote a book, and it happened in real life. Well, like depending on how, like the similarities are close, but they're not exact, right? 
so it's like I I totally believe that one I do believe that this is a true story, but two I do believe that like this this definitely could happen. It is unlikely in the extreme, but I I consider this very conceivable. And he doesn't have to be like a clairvoyant or anything yeah. like that. Like he he wrote a book about a very large ship that sunk in relatively the same area, starboard versus the what is it starboard. Port. Port to yeah. That's like a 50-50 chance. It's like, eh, throw that up to just random coinky-dink. Okay. The location is the part that I'm a little like, uh... And both in April? And the April. It's like, okay, you got a 1 in 12 shot there the for the frick. month. And both short on lifeboats? Because it was called unsinkable. Yeah. You know? People are it's just stupid. Really, I don't know. I find this case super creepy. Way more creepy than the Richard Parker thing. Anyway. You ready for book number three? I'm ready for book number three. All right, here we go. Uh, this one is called Debt of Honor by Tom Clancy, written in 1994. And it's a sequel to The Sum of All Fears. And it features an apparently well-known character called Jack Ryan. Okay. Do you know Jack Ryan? I know who Tom Clancy is. Okay. Because I hadn't heard, but apparently it's a well-known character. I, I don't Jack know Ryan. Jack Ryan. Anyway. Um... So, it, the book talks about Japanese plots to raise Japan up and bring America down, basically. And there are several plots that happen in the book, one of which is um, trying to engineer the collapse of the U.S. stock market. Okay. So that's one of their plots. Um, the event that takes place in the book that's eerie, eerily similar to a real-life event is when... A terrorist hijacks a jetliner and crashes it into, you guessed it, Twin Towers. World Trade Center. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Eerie, eerie. So, Clancy also has had to deny claims of being a modern seer. Um, he claims that he just researches and really understands human nature. Yeah, that... Okay, so that's one of those, like... That'd be like me writing a book saying that there was an attack on, like, let's pick a historical place. Like, something's going to happen to, you know, Big Ben. Mm-hmm. Right? 30 years from now, it's entirely possible there's going to be, like, some sort of attack. Yeah, or Or major damage or weather catastrophe. Right. Except... Terrorist hijacks a jetliner and crashes it into the World Trade Center. Maybe this is where they got the idea. The terrorists? Maybe. Listen, I don't know um, how literate your average suicide bomber is. Also, I sorry, I forgot to um put those dates side by side. So we have 1994 is when the book was published, and then 9-11 is the actual yeah. event. Sorry, just had to clarify that. What were you saying? Uh, it's gone. I'm sorry. It's like we a, were talking about how... It's like a you... fart in the wind. It's it's out there. You can't get it back. No, you were talking about how the terrorists... Oh, maybe they the just read the book. Oh, you know? man. Is Again. that what they do? They just sit around and they're like, okay, these are all the novels we have depicting terrorist attacks, so I want everyone to split up, pick a book, I feel tell like, me if there's some juicy ideas in there. I feel like if I was a terrorist, I would just make a list of targets... For, like, every country, like, you're like, listen, you mean people these are... or, like, monuments? Yes, both. Okay. I'd say, like, this is my list. And then, yeah, I'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to go read some literature. 
you know, you're looking for crazy ideas, you're looking for true crime stuff, and then some guy sees this and he's like, I don't know, Jim, get over here, I got, you know, whatever. <laughs> yes, okay. I know most terrorists are named Jim. Are they? It's, it's a very common name. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird, actually. All right. Yeah. Interesting. The um, more you know. <laughs> which one of these do you think is real? I think the first two are real. Okay. Because I know the second one's real. Yeah, you'd heard of that I've one. I've heard of that one. I figured you did. But just for our listeners who hadn't, like, it's a that good story. is such a crazy coincidence, if it's a coincidence. The first one, I believe, is real. Just because that to me makes sense. The last one, I don't believe. But it might be my own bias, because I know Tom Clancy. Mm-hmm. I know he's written books. I'm pretty sure he's also done stuff for video games. I have no idea. I, he, I think I think the Ghost Recon series huh. is Tom Clancy's. Which, sidebar, really quick. Actually, I'll do it afterwards. So, yeah. Uh, reveal information. Which one is the lie? Okay. Uh, so, you were right. Number three is hey! the lie. Except, except, the only detail I changed is that in the book, the terrorist crashes into the Washington's Capitol building. That's the really the only thing you changed. Yeah. That's insane. So there is actually a book where this terrorist attack happens. So it just... that's your game. I thought you were making like a brand new story. Well, I You're was. You're changing no, up, that's you what I was... cheeky bastard. <laughs> just to clarify for Scoff and for listeners, my plan is definitely... Like, in a lot of future finales, is to make up something. Yeah. But I just, I found a lot of cases of books that supposedly predicted the future. Yeah. So I thought it might be easier for me to take one and just try and change it around to make it even more believable. So I thought changing it so that it actually crashes into the same place I like that. would make it more that compelling. Good. I'm glad you liked that it. That was good. But yeah, fun fact. Th- this book, Debt of Honor, is a thing, and it did actually predict a terrorist crashing into a monument it's just not the same monument so and see that I, that makes a lot more sense cause like it's it's not the necessarily the most obvious book to write but it's like hey terrorists are attacking they're gonna attack a place of importance in this case yeah Washington's Capitol building that's interesting that was a good one thank you but so, so here's my thing as soon as you kind of told me the premise of today's show I started thinking about this in my head. So there's, as opposed to thinking of it outside my head, um, I've seen a lot of like shows and video games and movies and stuff that I've said to predict it. Some of them I find fascinating. Mm-hmm. Some of them are little stuff, like The Simpsons predicted Donald Trump as the president long before it happened. What? Yes. Family See, Guy. is this not a sign that that is the stupidest thing that could have happened? It's you on know? The Simpsons. <laughs> like the Simpsons, because the Simpsons would be making fun of it. Like, oh, oh you know who would be the stupidest person for they're, president? They're just like, let's go for it. Um, Family Guy predicted, not necessarily predicted, but it kind of like foreshadowed uh, Bruce Jenner's gender change. Oh. There's a weird episode where, I can't remember if it, it's like a cutaway for something, but he's basically dancing in front of a bunch of sailors. It's Family Guy, so you know it's weird. On board like a, a ship. And Peter's like, just so you all remember what you're fighting for. And it's a very, like, it's meant to be very, um, I guess, feminine-style dancing. Like, kind of like, you okay. picture, like, the, you picture sailors going into, like, a, like, old-timey bars. Like yeah, there's, like, the women, like, dancing and all that when you Bar think maidens. of, like, World War One and World War Two, It was kind of reminiscent of that. And, uh, the other big one I can think of right now, which actually kind of relates to the last story, 
I believe. Oh, are you talking it about the video a game? Game called Deus Ex. I was gonna mention the game. I didn't remember the and name of it. In Deus Ex, for whatever reasons, the hardware they're using because this game came out like a ninety six or something like that. Like it was, it was before nine eleven. But for whatever reason, I think it was Deus Ex. Might have been a different one. They couldn't render the background properly of New York. I think it was New York where the Twin Towers were. Um, right? Yeah, but from what I remember, they forgot to include... And then they made it part of the plot. Yeah. So, just to clarify for our listeners, um, I did actually hear about... While the I was doing story. the research, I heard about the video game. Yeah. And from what I remember about reading it, and actually write it down, but basically, when they tried... Maybe it was a rendering. I thought it was when they actually tried to recreate the skyline they, they of New York. They forgot it or something. They forgot to include the World Trade Center towers. And they were like, oh crap, now it doesn't look real because we forgot this. And then they included it into the plot by saying that it had been the victim of a terrorist attack. And this came out before 9-11. Yeah. So that was another creepy coincidence and had, again, had people being like, how did you know, how this did you predict this? Happen, yeah. Um, and people had to be like, listen, it was literally a coincidence. We forgot to include it in the skyline during the video game. But in any case, I guess, weird. I guess if there's multiple cases of sort of the same thing happening, it makes the coincidence seem more plausible. Like it could just be coincidence instead of just. Again, and this is with the benefit, or benefit, this is with the benefit, <laughs> the benefit, this is with the benefit of hindsight. When you do think about it. An attack like 9-11, nowadays, like, it's one of those you think about it and you're like, it makes sense. In a really weird way, like, if you're going after a target, that does yeah, make relative fair. sense. But you gotta think about this before all this happened, where, one, terrorism, terrorism and terrorists attack happening in places like America mm. weren't you know, necessarily the thing that everyone was thinking about, right? Where yeah. this is, you know, the the early 2000s, the Cold War had really only kind of finished up being a thing that most people were thinking about in, like, 70s and 80s. I don't, 60s, 70s, 80s, right? Depending on where you are and the severity of it. And, yeah. Hmm. That, it's weird. Quinky dinks abound. Yeah, I think a lot of... Because um, I mentioned this, but... Basically, I found articles that were whole lists of, like, 20 or so books that had these weird predictions in them. Yeah. But I have to say, I didn't find any that came even close to the Wreck of the Titan in terms of the coincidences. No, that one's weird. That one is very odd. And if any of these authors is a clairvoyant, it would have to be Morgan Robertson. Because there's just... There's too much that's the same. Even the name of the ship... You know? I feel like if I was a... Sorry, cat's being weird. If I was a clairvoyant, and for whatever reason I decided I'm going to write books on all this stuff, I would se- I'd be I'd, I'd be a cheeky dick. I would set a book to release the day before... No, because then they're going to think I had something to do with it. If it was like a natural yeah, disaster fair. type event... I would set the book to release, like, the day before the event happened, just to shock the world. But if it was anything crime-related, yeah, I'd publish it, like, 14 years beforehand, if I had the time. Because otherwise, Mm. people are going to be like, hey, you did something, or you knew about this. So the last thing I want to do is, and I almost forgot to do this, 
But um, there are some illustrations from The Wreck of the Titan that I just want to show Scoff here. Because the craziest thing is that even the illustrations show exactly how the ship sank. Okay. Which is that the front of it kept going down and down and down. The back. And the back with the propellers lifted all the way up out of the water. So I'm going to show you now. And this illustration has the... um, is it the bow? No, it's the stern. I can never remember. I, I, I think it's the stern. The stern of the ship lifting, lifting, and you see the propellers, all those giant um, smokestacks, smoke and then in the water, all the lifeboats with the people panicking and shouting. Yeah, it's, it's, it looks it's, exactly like a screenshot from the movie. It does. As you can tell, by the way, we, we're, not, uh, we're not sailors. No. We know very little about uh, the maritime lifestyle. Even, like, I'm a huge kind of history nerd. I know a decent bit about military history. Naval combat's never really been my uh, my area. Maybe I should look I into mean, it more. It doesn't have much to do with naval combat. We're, I mean, we're just talking about... Just, no, but, like, knowing basic ships, lingo. etc. Basic lingo. I'm pretty sure the back is the stern, the bow and the stern. Sure? Uh, if I remember correctly. But anyways, it's just... It's so creepy, and even you can see tiny little people, people falling off the stern towards the propellers, which happens in the movie. It's just so would you, creepy. Would you survive that fall? No. If you fall from a certain height into water, it becomes like concrete. yeah. I know that if you're like parachuting out of a plane or whatever, and your um, your parachute for whatever reason won't work, they actually tell you don't aim for the water. Yeah. Because at that point. The way the molecular bonds are going with the speed that you're falling, it's basically concrete on impact. Yeah. People have had better chances surviving landing in parking lots or on trees. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm glad you liked it. I hope our listeners liked it. And I am very excited for more finales because I I love this whole two trees and a lie concept. It so is very neat. I'm very stoked. Also... Falling into water from about 245 feet will be fatal for most people. Hmm. But there are cases of people dying from falls less than 200 right. feet. Which, again, 245 feet is freaking massive. Yeah. Like, that, that's, that's pretty high up. Mm-hmm. I didn't right? think it was that much. I thought it was only like 100, personally. I mean, it depends what do I on know? the person, right? Yeah. For me? It's possible. You're you're more on the slender side. Yeah, I'm super little. Right. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for listening. We are already um, pretty far ahead in terms of our recording. So season two is going to come out pretty much right after. Yeah, there's there's this, season one. We designate them as seasons just so we can kind of have this little fun thing. Maybe yeah. take like a week break if we want. Yeah, we like we that. did it so that if we go on a vacation. We can take that break and not feel bad about it because it's the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and that's why we're also recording ahead of time. But yeah, basically, um, you guys won't have to wait too long before season two. So we hope you enjoyed and we will see you next time. Until then, have a good one. Bye. Bye.